0: You're listening to Stand Out, Get Noticed, Episode 240. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome back to Stand Out, Get Noticed. I'm Christina Canters, your host, and I'm all about helping high-performing professionals and business leaders to build powerful communication skills. You can learn more at thecmethod.com. Now, I want to thank everyone who wrote to me to tell me how much they enjoyed last week's episode, episode 239, which was called, Are You Living in Your Zone of Genius? It seems like it resonated with many of you. So if you haven't listened to that episode, make sure you go back and take a listen. Now, next week will be the last regular podcast of 2020. After this, I'll be doing a best of holiday series where I'll be resharing the most popular podcasts of the year. If you're taking time off, this will be a really good opportunity for you to catch up on episodes you've missed and perhaps re-listen to some that you found um, especially useful. Now, for the final episode or well the final regular episode, um, I will be doing a Things I've Learned in 2019. So that's going to be next week. Always fun to do a reflection. All right, let's get into this week's episode where we're talking about how to be resilient in high, highly competitive environments. Now, I want you to think about, have you ever had the feeling that everyone else is doing better than you? That your work or what what you've achieved is less than. Do you notice yourself comparing yourself to other people? Now, this is something that I experienced constantly when I was in architecture school, which was a very competitive environment. And, you know, I notice myself doing it now as a business owner, seeing other people and what they're doing with their businesses. And it can be, it can be quite damaging um, when, when taken to heart. So that's what we're talking about this week. And I'm really excited to introduce you to my guest. Her name is Innes Hemmings. Now Innes and I have something in common. We both studied architecture and we both have since moved in to different films, uh, fields, not films, fields. Maybe we'll get into films at some point. So Innes is, she's a recent graduate Of of architecture of Delft University of Technology in the Netherlands. And she now lives in Melbourne, where she's carved out a path for herself as a teacher, an activist, a speaker, an author, and a TV host. Her mission is to empower architects and creatives to find their voice and share their truth. And she's working towards an empowered future for the architecture profession and also for conscious built environments. She's the founder of what Architecture School does not teach you that's what it's called. It's called "What Architecture School Does Not Teach you," uh, which I love, and I'll link up to that in the description of this episode. You can go there, you can see all the videos that she's created, they're very, very inspiring, and you can really get a sense of her the passion that she has and um, the change that she wants to make in the world. Now we have this conversation, um, and Innes shared her experience, her, her experience of comparing herself to others during her studies and the negative impacts this had on her health and well-being. She also talks about what she did to pull herself out of it. She she shares some uh, tools and techniques that you can also implement um, if you find yourself uh, comparing yourself to others, um, feeling feeling stressed, feeling imbalanced. Now, you don't have to be in the architecture and design industry to relate to this. This this episode is for you if you want to find more peace, more balance, calm and resilience in a highly competitive environment, whether that is if you're studying, running your own business or working in corporate.
1: So you ready to meet Innes Hemmings? Let's do it. For a long time I did architecture I went to school and I thought I needed to become a traditional architect in the sense that I need to design and construct buildings and I knew from very early on that's not what I wanted to do traditionally I wanted to connect architecture to different disciplines you know so you know in terms of knowledge base architecture is connected to so many other fields if you think of you know event management that can be connected or or um, graphic design or um, exhibition curation Mm. it can be connected to neuroscience psychology philosophy even human potential what I do now can be connected to activism Um, you know so many things Um, what we learn at architecture school is like the smallest box of what we perceive architecture to be but you can break out of that box for sure and look as much as
0: you know, I, I talk about the thing that you think. You know, architecture school doesn't teach you X, Y, Z. There is still a lot that it really does teach you. And I mean, I yes. I learned to how to have a great eye for detail. You know, and a great design mm-hmm. eye, and I've brought that into yeah, various wow. aspects of my business. You know, if I'm designing a PowerPoint slide, like I can do that really well, and I attribute that to yes, architecture yeah,
1: yeah. For school. sure, for sure, for sure. Did you cultivate your communication skills and your presentation skills during school already or just afterwards, after architecture school, you said, oh, fuck architecture, um, I'm going into something else now?
0: No, I, I started to develop my communication skills while I was studying because they... Oh we had to go up and present our work, you know, every week or every fortnight. Yeah. And it was there where yeah. I experienced the sheer terror of standing up in front of an audience <laughs> and having your work. And this wasn't just any old public speaking experience. Like this was you standing up presenting your heart. Like this is your baby that you've toiled on for all semester. And then yeah. with with one comment or one look, a tutor can completely put your, put your work to shame and derail your confidence and be like, nah, don't get it. Doesn't, that doesn't look good. You clearly haven't put any effort in there. You haven't thought about this and, it, and you're being torn down in front of your classmates and it is, it's heart-wrenching. So that was the moment yeah, when yeah. I realized I, I don't want to have to, I don't want to do, I don't want to do this. I don't want to feel this anxious anymore. Yeah. So that's when I started yeah. to make those changes.
1: And that's really good. You know, once you, face an obstacle, just, you know, grow, better yourself and and get over it. You know, that's what I believe we should do in all different kinds of fields, not just in terms of communication. But to go back what you just said, you know, um, there's a problematic in that, I think. And, you know, most of us architecture students um, feel like that and also people in other industries because we think that when we put a project out there or when we design a building, um, it's our baby, you Mm. know. So it's our thing that we carry and we, we mother it. We're like a mother to this creative idea that we've given birth to. And so, you know, when you have a baby and someone attacks your baby, you will do anything to protect it and you will fight for your baby, you know. And that's where a lot of agony, I think, and anxiety comes in. So I've actually learned to detach myself from a my project. As, love as, as, long, um, as much as I love it, um, it's not my baby, you know. I've cultivated a certain distance to it and that actually helps me to to stay calmer in in presentations because I I remind myself well you know this creative idea okay I've made it but in the end it may not come from me you know it's out there now it's it's separated kind of helps yes Absolutely,
0: and I have to feel that same way with every single podcast that I create or every product that I launch or every time I propose a coaching program to a client. Anytime I'm opening myself up to be judged or for people to say, no, I don't like that or no, I don't want that. And yeah, I've had to learn to create that sense of detachment from it because otherwise if you do, your emotions just ride up and down with the responses of other people. And that's not a very-
1: Yes, you get very enmeshed yes no true
0: so let's go back to the topic of comparing yourself to others Mm -hmm.
1: why do you think this
0: afflicts so many people
1: um why does this inflict so many people well you know when you compare yourself to someone else too much um you shift away from yourself so whenever you get caught up in someone else's process um you know, you're not really standing in your truth, because if you really know who you are, then you are strong, you're confident, you're standing in your truth, you would never compare yourself to someone else. So uh, just a slight difference, you know, it's okay to have role models or people to look up to, that's a different place to be, because that's a place of appreciation. So you can look at other people, look at what they are good at, and say, wow, Peter or Susan is so good at this and that, and I would love to nurture my skills like that as well because, you know, what you're doing in that moment is you're recognizing your own qualities in someone else. So their qualities are reflected back to you. And so you realize, Oh, I want to be better at this, but this doesn't have to do anything with comparison. So whenever you get caught up too much in someone else's process, um, that is just a symptom, you know? So that's just um, to, to visualize it. It's like the pinnacle of the iceberg, you know, but, underneath if we look below the water there's something much more profound and and much more deep and that is simply a disconnection from yourself yeah because when you're connected to yourself you know who you are and you wouldn't get caught in someone else's process and um yes so I'm I'm very sure that this is this is what is at heart you know and this is what's going on with all of us unfortunately I mean I wouldn't want to throw everyone in the same pot but you know, these days we're saying, oh, we're living in an era of connectedness. But actually, um, you know, many, many people are more isolated and disconnected than they've ever been anywhere in history. Mm. So that's quite a paradox.
0: Absolutely. I had um, one of my podcast listeners, Joel, He uh, wrote to me and said, because I sent an email out to my subscribers recently on a similar topic to this and he wrote back and said that um, his pastor often says, uh, don't compare your day-to-day life as in your daily grind with someone else's highlights reel, which is essentially someone else's, like what people put on social media is their highlights reel, it's the best bits of their lives, it's the exciting fun bits of their lives and that's all you see and then when that's all you see and you then you then go, well, my life is, it seems boring and dull and sad in comparison. And then yeah. I think that's one of the main contributing factors to what you're talking about, Ines, in terms of people feeling so disconnected.
1: Yes. And, you know, the problem is that, you know, we judge people um, for being so positive or for doing this or that on social media. I mean, all we see is the stuff on social media, you know, and we judge people for that or this or that they're so positive all the time. But in the end, we have no idea about any other person. You know, we have no idea what other people go through. You know, most often the people that are the happiest and the most fulfilled and the most optimistic are the ones that have gone through the most. Mm. That is such a common truth that I've come across so many times. So taking a step back from judging and looking at ourselves.
0: Can you share an example, Ines, of how you have gone on your own journey of of comparing yourself less to others and and working through that?
1: So I studied architecture in in Vienna but then got admitted to do my master's at Delft University of Technology in Holland. So I moved to Holland and that was an eye-opening experience for me because, you know, Delft architecture school is – You know, if rankings really have a saying, it says that Delft is one of the best universities for architecture in the world. Mm. So I was completely honored to be there. And I got there. The faculty was amazing. And the people I came across, they were all international, super creative, um, you know, brilliant people. And first, you know, that empowered me and inspired me a lot. But then kind of after time, a lot of uh, doubt started to creep in because, You know, I started to compare myself, um, well, way too much, you know. What sort of things were you comparing yourself to? Oh, I'm not creative enough. Um, My detailing skills are not good enough or even my English skills are not good enough, you know. I mean, people came along with big posters of heavily illustrated stuff that I had no idea how to even start doing that on a computer. Mm. So what really led me down a spiral of shame and disbelief is that I felt less than, you know, less than, always less than anyone else. And um, well, and that's when I started to realize, okay, this, I need to work on this, you know, cause, cause it's not normal.
0: Did you, did you talk to your friends,
1: your, your architecture colleagues about this? No, I was very, I was very closed about all of this. So back then, you know, talking about my feelings, talking about um, what's on my mind didn't come natural to me. It's only now that I actually finished my studies that I'm speaking my truth. So before, you know, I should have done anything about it, but no, I didn't. Do you think your other um, peers were going through similar things? Yes, I think so. Yeah. In the end, we're all going through very similar things. um, And I think we could encourage much more empathy at school if we had, you know, someone to go to for these issues. I know that study associations um, always have, you know, some kind of go-to person for these things. But who, like, honestly, who wants to go to a person and say, "Oh, I have this problem because I compare myself too much to others," you know, or it's too much stress? Like, not a lot of people do that. But mm. I feel if we did that, um, we could encourage a very different and more truthful and kind culture.
0: I think in in architecture school there was this culture of who can work the longest hours, you know, who can pull the most Mm, all-nighters, who can, you know, have the most amount of work done. And it was almost like a badge of honour where people would say, oh, yeah, I haven't slept in three days and I've had like ten Red Bulls today, you know, and it was was like people were like almost competing as to how many hours of sleep you could go without and there was this – really dist- it had this really destructive culture of the more you work the better you'll do you know and it, and it was very competitive in in that way and I think as students we were trying so hard to show that we were invincible you know and that we weren't yes. like don't yeah. show any weakness um because that means yeah. that you'll do worse than them You're and they'll do and exactly
1: yes well That whole competition thing, I mean, I I tried to combat it it, and I tried to, you know, focus more on myself, but even though I shifted my focus back on myself, you know, I tried the most that I could. I also stayed up all night because that's what I did during my studies, you know, stayed up all night. I didn't do a lot of sports and I put all my heart and my soul into this one project So all these self-sacrifices, you know, all these Mm. things that disconnected me from myself. And the result of that was that, well, firstly, I got the lowest grade Mm -hmm. um, for that project. So that was a huge blow for me. I got the lowest grade. And when I didn't get proper feedback, you know, I felt very vulnerable and attacked. And that resulted in a massive breakdown, you know, that really made me rethink all my beliefs, all my values, because I finally realized, and that's why it was a blessing in disguise, this this massive um, breakdown, that, you know, my definition of success and my definition of accomplishment doesn't work like this. I need mm-hmm. to change something.
0: So this was how long into your degree? One semester. This is one semester in. Okay, so what did you start to yeah. do then
1: after that? Well, I got into mindfulness. Okay. I thought I was a failure, first of all, and um, so first of all, I needed to deal with, okay, what do I do about the fact that I feel like a failure, you know, so I've read a lot of things and um, because I generally I am a person I, I think a lot about stuff. And, you know, I've gone through so many things in my life where I could have perceived that I failed. And that's why at that point I knew, okay, I might feel like a failure, but actually after a while of contemplation, I know that this is not a failure. This is actually just failing forward. It's it's learning, you know, it's part of the journey to, so what? lowest is great, you know, that's just the system. System conditions us that a low grade means, you know, you're a bad person or your project is bad. That That is not true, you know. So if you do have the courage to look outside of what the system perceives, then you might see that you know you're quite blessed Mm. because only society tells us what good and what bad is hi rockstar i want to take a quick break to
0: let you know that applications for my february group coaching program are now open this program is for high performing professionals and leaders of any gender who want to dramatically increase their influence impact and confidence in the workplace Over 10 weeks, you will learn how to manage your fears and anxiety, be more assertive, be an influential leader, build your confidence with public speaking, and articulate yourself and your ideas clearly. Now, these are the skills that will absolutely get you to that next level at work. You'll be learning in a collaborative environment and be 100% supported by myself and the group. Now, the training's conducted online, so it can be done from anywhere. If you're keen, book in a discovery call with me and we'll explore if the program is a good fit for you and your goals. Go to thecmethod.com slash groupcoaching to book in a call. That link is also in the description of your podcast in your app. Okay, let's get back to the show. So how did you start to redefine your version of success?
1: Well, first of all, I read a book um, by Arianna Huffington It's called Thrive. So that was a major companion for me because Ariana describes in a book that, you know, within a lot of stress, she um, bumped her head towards a chair or something. So she had a big wound and that's what made her, you know, redefine what success means to her. So she came up with this new dimension of success, this new metric, which is based on, you know, things like compassion, giving and, and wisdom. Balance and I thought, wow, wisdom, you know, uh, a success story may, made out of wisdom that's quite powerful, I think. And so I went deeper into that wisdom field and I came across mindfulness and I came across the book The Power of Now from Eckhart Tolle. And you know, as the title suggests, The Power of Now, there's huge power in the now. Mm. Often we go looking for answers in the future and in the the past and don't realize that, you know, the the present is actually the gift. And what Eckhart says is that mindfulness isn't anything else than presence, you know. So it's about bringing presence to your to what you do right now in, in in that moment. So you can do that while you sit down, you can do that while you stand. So that's what I started to do, you know, bring awareness when I get up in the morning, not immediately bring my brain into what I need to do, but focus on the task at hand. So I'm getting up, I can feel the ground, going into the kitchen, very consciously preparing my meals. And um, when I sit down, when I eat my meal, you know, I really focus on what I eat because, I've noticed that you know, prior to that experience, I just used dining or food just you know to fuel me up. Mm. But food is such a gift from the universe or whatever you know, food culture. So I really trained myself to sit down and nourish my body and and enjoy every piece of food that I put into my body.
0: So when you so when you say you focus on what you eat, do you do you mean you literally? like stare at your food and eat it, you know, very slowly. Is that what you mean?
1: Yes. I eat it slowly. I chew it and I engage all my senses, you know? So I really try and smell the food. I really try and taste the food and I truly, really, really try and see all the colors that are in it, you know, just it's about bringing more awareness to those yeah. everyday things.
0: I think that's a really important point, especially for those of you or us. We've all been guilty of this. Who have like wolfed down our lunch. Yeah while checking email or
1: you have a bite of your sandwich
0: put it down look at your phone you know or you eat while you're on the phone um and by the end of the meal you're like you don't even remember eating it you're like where did my food go (laughs) that's mindless eating (laughs) yes for sure and um how did all of this start to then affect your work as you because you continued with your degree right yes I did yeah so how did, all of, how did this mindful practice and practice this new awareness then impact how you approached your work and your results?
1: Well, I can tell you that meditation, regular meditation changed my life. So I started to apply meditation 10 minutes a day, you know, not a huge effort in either in the morning or before I go to sleep, preferably at the same time though, you know, just sit still and lend my ears to what is beyond all the noise. And lend my ears to the nothingness that is all around us. Because that's when you enter the gateway into the presence of the soul. And it's very, very beautiful. So after, I don't know, a few weeks of meditation, I could actually feel a lot of difference. So I could feel I was calmer because I used to be very impulsive. I was more calm. I was less reactive to my external surroundings, more grounded within myself. And surprisingly more resilient and diplomatic at school reviews so it actually did a lot for me and it's it's not a coincidence you know because a study at Harvard University revealed that you know MRI scans revealed that just after eight weeks there are massive changes within the brain if you meditate regularly even if it's just 10 minutes so what happens is that you have the amygdala in the brain and that is kind of your fear center the fight and flight center that's where all your emotions go off that's when you're very reactive to your environment but only after eight weeks those scans reveal that the amygdala even physically shrinked and at the same time the prefrontal cortex in the brain increased you know in, si- in size so while your fear went down your reaction your reactive nature went down your decision-making went up, your, your strength went up, your resilience went up. And I mean, meditation is proven to change lives. It's science.
0: So can, Ines, can you give an example of, let's say like during your, during your presentations um, at school, Mm -hmm. when you were, while you were meditating, can you share how you would have reacted to a review before you had started the meditation practice compared to how um, you were after?
1: So I did enjoy, I always enjoyed um, presenting a lot and I was quite convinced of the ideas that I had. But whenever someone said something against it, you know, because, oh, it was my baby. So whenever someone said something against it, or this doesn't work, that doesn't work, I became very reactive and said, oh, why Why do you think doesn't this work? Huh? Why do you think doesn't this work? Tell me why Why this doesn't work. And I just felt, you know, like a small baby that wanted to cry and go into the corner afterwards. So I felt very, very small afterwards. Mm. That was the biggest um, biggest consequence, I think. I felt very small, not really mature in that sense. And um, after meditation, I trained myself that, you know, okay, first of all, criticism, feedback is positive. And whenever someone says something to you, even that if, even if that is not in an appropriate manner, you don't go and get a reaction. You try and soften, you know, you try and soften. So first you say, oh, well, thank you for that. Um, Thank you for letting me know what makes you think that, you know. Um, So that kind of eases the conversation. And then you really get down to the truth, what the real issue of that comment was. Because often the comments that you get are not the real truth of what is actually going on. And why is that? Well, I I remember back in Vienna. So I did a democracy forum in Vienna and it was not one whole building, but it was two separate buildings within one site with a big patio and a plaza in the middle. And this tutor comes along and says, oh, you should put those two pieces together, you know, Uh, those two buildings. And I'm like, well, thank you for your comment, but why do you think, why do you think should they be together? You know, he said, well, because it's one building, it should be together, you know. And um, so back then I was very reactive to that. But if I got that same comment, now I would really try and get down to the truth. What is your problem with the fact that a democracy forum has two different pieces of a building, it doesn't have to be one building. So that's kind of, of a comment that comes from somewhere else, you know, it's not, it's Came up out of air if you, if you ask me. Because yeah.
0: often people's comments, they're covering up, well, they're coming from a, a deeper place where they might have their own, they have their yes. own perception or their own um, previous experience or even their own insecurities, which might explain sure. why they're making that comment. You know, I was reading, I'm reading a book at the moment. It's called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Have you heard of it? No. Oh, it's awesome. I highly recommend it. The Big Leap. So in the book, he tells the story of how he was coaching these, these top-level executives who were fighting and um, there was this conflict about like, oh, we don't want to open up another warehouse in this country and blah, blah, blah. And it turns out that one of them was just saying, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And they just thought he was against it. But it turned out that his underlying feelings was that he was um, fearful that the business might fail if they expanded too quickly. So that was his concern, but he couldn't express his emotions effectively, um, or didn't feel yeah. he was afraid of being vulnerable in front of his other colleagues. So he just expressed it as anger and just saying, "No, nah, I don't want to do it." Yeah, you know. So I think it's so important to remember that everyone's got their own stuff going on inside of them and their own fears and vulnerabilities, and not everyone mm. is adept at expressing themselves in an effective way.
1: And, you know, if, if you ask me, um, you know, it's, it's difficult to express yourself. I mean, to me, it didn't come naturally. I really needed to learn how to do that, to accept my emotions, to express them in an appropriate manner. I mean, you know, as kids, we can do that. But then on the way, we get a lot of self-limiting beliefs from society and, and other people. So it's kind of part of maturity to express your emotions and to communicate them. But maturity, I believe, has to be earned what do you mean by that? Well, to be a really mature person and to, you know, to speak your truth, I think it takes a lot of unraveling of who you really are, you know, because as you grow older, if you get self-limiting beliefs or fear, because that inevitably happens, you know, so you know, with some people more, with some people less, but then your truth gets clouded with all those beliefs that are actually not from you but from others. And so to really reach maturity and a high self-awareness it needs to be earned, you know, because you need to, it's, it's your responsibility. It's your job to, to unravel that, to get rid of everything that's holding you back. Mm. So I think authentic empowerment is, has to be earned. Yeah.
0: And it does take work, you know, it takes a lot of work, you know, people who (laughs) (laughs) like, you can be practicing. I mean, it's like developing strong communication skills. Like it's not just something you learn and you're done with it. Like it's an ongoing journey. You know, you look at, monks who have achieved enlightenment and they're still they still see themselves as being on the journey you know there's there's Mm. no destination so Ines this has been this has been really interesting talking with you and I really appreciate you sharing you know your experiences um, with everyone can you tell us a bit about what is your truth and how are you helping people in the world to find theirs
1: yes thank you for that my mission basically is to empower architects and creatives to find their voice and share their truth. And well, why do I do that? Because first of all, you know, I want to see our industry to be an empowered and inspiring place to be in where we empower each other, where we are safe and feel valued. And also I'd love to see our environments be inclusive, be being conscious, because as you might know, as a former architecture student, Christina, our built environment has major cognitive impacts on our well-being. You know, they can, mm. they can heal us or they can make us really depressed and agitated, even, you know, induce higher crime rates. And um, so if there's a definition, a job definition of what I really do, you know, I would say I am an activist, probably an activist for truth, helping other people find and share their truth. I'm a teacher, probably the most, and um, I work as a TV host, I'm a speaker, and currently I'm also publishing a book. And what my aim really is with what architecture school doesn't teach you, I want to build it into a global educational platform that, um, you know, starts, starts a movement among architects in the world to become more conscious and empowered about who they are and in turn create conscious environments because whatever we see in the external world always comes from within love it
0: well i love your passion Ines, and i cannot wait to see the impact that you make in helping more people to find
1: their truths because i think that is really important yes well thank you to you christina it's been a pleasure to be in the show
0: A big thanks to Ennis Hemmings from What Architecture School Does Not Teach You for being an amazing guest on the show this week and for sharing her story. Check the description of this podcast for links on how to connect with Innes. Now, before I leave you, remember to apply for the group coaching program if developing your leadership, your confidence and your influence in the workplace is something that you want to achieve in the next year. Go to thecmethod.com slash groupcoaching to apply, where we'll set up a call and explore if the program is a good fit for you. All right, thanks for listening, Rockstar. I'll talk to you next week. My name's Christina Cantors, and this has been Standout Get Noticed.